Thanks for listening to the Community Bible Church Sermon Podcast. Pastor Dan Strutz here. Our desire is to connect people with Christ and community. For more info or to contact us, please visit cbcmountainlake.com. I like the uh, verses in that, one of the verses in that song, and I think it's the prayer that we want for us this morning uh, as we gather and we're reminded of, and I think it connects a little bit with what Isaiah is going to tell us this morning. I, I, get, I get brought into that, those words that it, when it said in one of the verses, uh, be the wind inside my sails as the anchor in the waves. And, and I think that that's a reminder for us of in our lives, we want God to be the one that directs our lives, that he's the one that, that we say, uh, we're going to put sail up, and wherever you direct us, God, that's where we're going to go. We want you to lead us and guide us. And when storms come, we want you to be our anchor that holds us tight. And I think that that's uh, a good message for us this morning that is really going to connect well with the idea of what Isaiah is going to say. Are we grounded and rooted, and have, is our foundation in the Lord, or is it in other things outside? Uh, this morning, uh, our message title is Foolish Pride Exchanged for Wise Foundation. And for those of you that are new or visiting, uh, we're going to go to Isaiah. The chapter this morning is chapter 28, so you can check in uh, there on uh, Isaiah 28, which is going to be on page 499 of your pew Bibles if you want to start turning there. Uh, Isaiah 28. In a moment, I'm going to read from the first 13 verses of that chapter. Uh, but before I do, uh, we, we have recently, many of you know, we've moved into uh, our house on the north edge of town, a house that we worked on for a long time, uh, a, a house that uh, we put a lot of projects into. And uh, many, some of you have, have since we've moved in, come and visited. And, and one of the questions that often comes up when, we're, uh, when people are there is like, well, quote, you did a lot of the work yourself, right? And they ask that, and I kind of pause because I say, well, no. <laughs> we didn't contract a lot of it out, but we, we didn't do a lot of the work ourselves because we brought in people who knew what they could do. We, we knew who knew what they were doing, who were wise, and, and, and were, were ones that we could count on and go to and say, can you help me with this? They were smarter than me. Because heaven forbid I try to move walls and set up uh, load-bearing things and hang cabinets uh, and all those kind of things on my own. Uh, because I can tell you that if that was the case, the house may not even be standing, one. And it probably wouldn't look good, number two, if it was standing. My point in saying that is we know in life, we know that there are things where we, we look to in life and we know that that is beyond me, and we don't trust in our own ways. We don't trust in our own uh, efforts and our own talents. We, we know that when it comes to something like building a house. But when it comes to life, again, what Isaiah is going to challenge us with is who are we depending on? Are we depending on our own measurements, our own efforts, our own uh, ingenuity, or are we trusting in the Lord and we turning to Him and truly trusting in Him in this life? Is He our wise 
foundation in this life. So with that, let me pray before I start reading this uh, text, this chapter from Isaiah, and uh, thank the Lord for his word. Will you join me in prayer? Father God, we thank you this morning that we can open up this book, that we can be reminded that you are our foundation, our stone, the one we look to, the one we cling to, the one we put our hope in. Father, this word, you have spoken it through Isaiah, it's been preserved on pages, and it, it goes with us, and we have it today. And we ask that while the context is so much different than then, we ask that you can help us understand how this makes sense for our life today. Lord, for each of us, we have stuff going on in our lives, and there's things we want to cling to that aren't of you. Spirit, speak to us so we can let go and cling to you all that kind of stuff. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Isaiah 28. Journeying through this book, and Isaiah has been speaking judgment as of late. He had a vision from the Lord that was great, and he is asked to be the messenger, and now he presents to the people this message, starting in verse 1. He says, Ah, the proud crown of the drunkards of Ephraim, and the fading flower of its glorious beauty, which is on the head of the rich valley of those who overcome, those overcome with wine. Behold, the Lord has one who is mighty and strong, like a storm of hail, a destroying tempest, like a storm of mighty, uh, a storm of mighty overflowing waters. He casts down to the earth with his hand. The proud crown of the drunkards of Ephraim will be trodden underfoot, and the fading flower of its glorious beauty, which is on the head of the rich valley, will be like the first ripe fig before summer. When someone sees it, he swallows it as soon as it is in hand. In that day, the Lord of hosts will be the crown of glory, a diadem of beauty to the remnant of his people, and a spirit of justice to him who sits in judgment, and strength to those who turn back to battle at the gate. These also reel with wine and stagger with strong drink. The priest and the prophet reel with strong drink. They are swallowed by wine. They stagger with strong drink and reel in vision. They stumble in giving judgment. For the tables are full of filthy vomit with no space left. To whom will he teach knowledge? And to whom will he explain the message? To those who are weaned from the milk, those taken from the breast, for, for it is precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here little, there little. For by people strange lips and with a foreign tongue, the Lord will speak to his people, to whom he has said, This is rest, with rest to the weary, and this is repose, yet they would not hear. And the word of the Lord will be to them, precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here little, there little that they may go and fall backwards and be broken and be snared and taken. The word of the Lord this morning from Isaiah, this message, again, it's important for us to remind ourselves just who Isaiah is, to remind ourselves what this book is all about, and to remind ourselves who he's speaking to. Isaiah, for those that are not as familiar, is a prophet. He's speaking the word from God to the people. He's, he's speaking to them and saying, hey, God wants...
wants you to know this is how he views how you're living life. This is how he views uh, himself. He is a holy God. He is a great God. He is mighty. And, and he's looking down and he's disturbed. He's frustrated with how you're acting. He wants to save you. He wants to bring you to him. But right now, you aren't following after him. And he's speaking this, Isaiah is, to the people of Israel. More specifically, he's talking to the southern tribe of Israel. If you're not as familiar with the Old Testament history, the story of Israel as God had brought them out of Egypt, out of their bondage, out of their slavery. He brought them through the wilderness and into what is called the promised land. And there he, he helped them conquer their enemies. And, and in that day, he helped them settle the land. It was good. He dwelt with them. But eventually, they started to turn away. And eventually, the, con- the country had a, a, a split into two parties, the north and the south. The north being Israel, called Israel, the south being called Judah. And that's pertinent for us because in this story, Isaiah is particularly a prophet to the south. He's speaking to to Judah and their leaders, and he's trying to call them to repentance. He's calling them to turn around, and that's important to us because here in the beginning of the book, he says, he starts talking about the drunkard of Ephraim, which is the north. Isaiah starts talking about the north, and in that we see a warning. He starts to give this warning uh, of concerning the pride of worldly confidence. He, he starts turning towards the north and looking at them and saying, this, this northern, northern tribe, basically your cousins or your peers, uh, they're, they're not walking with me. They're following their own ways. They are confident. In verse 1 it says, that they have crowns like their drunkards in Ephraim. They are a beautiful flower, but it is fading. It is glorious, but it is going away fast. It says that they're overcome with wine. Now there's some discussion among scholars about what is really going on here, whether it's an actual drunkenness that they're going off and having parties and celebrating like a college frat party, which is, is just... You know, a bunch of togas, or, or even here, these crowns, they're probably not actual crowns you'd see on a king, but more like the, the wreaths that you put on your head and celebrate, and they're jubilant and joyful and celebrating. But what they're celebrating is, is their confidence in themselves. They're celebrating in trust in themselves, that they have, have done well in this life, that they have they've made alliances with other nations, and they've trusted in that, and they don't need God. They don't need God. They've put their trust where the world puts their confidence. That's a prideful thing when we start to say, I don't need God. I don't need to turn to Him. And that's just what the North had done. They are putting their trust in places that were not where they used to be. We see that to the world, this pride, this joy, it looks beautiful, it looks attractive, uh, just like in our own life, there are things that the world puts its hope in, there's things that the world trusts in, and it looks attractive, it looks beautiful, it, 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 it tempts us to go towards it, but yet it's fading. The things that may look attractive to us, maybe it's a career, Climbing a ladder, or maybe if you're a farmer, it's you, you put your hope and your trust 
and, and having a certain yield or or you put your trust in your family having well-behaved kids or or maybe it's the stuff of life you put your hope in, in the things your house your cars your bank accounts maybe if you look dress act a certain way you can put your hope in that the world does trust in that and it puts its foundation and it says look at what I have look at what I've amassed look at what I what I've gained and, and it trusts in those things and while for a while those are are good beautiful things the judgment here that we see in Isaiah is that those things again God promises will fade because God speaks of a day Throughout Isaiah, he's speaking, he's been speaking of a day this whole time. There is a day coming, there is a day coming in that day, in that day, on that day. He says it again and again and again. And and he's speaking of a day when the world will be judged, it'll be looked at. And here in chapter 28 and verse 2, he speaks of it like a storm. Behold, the Lord has one who is mighty and strong, like a storm of hail, a destroying tempest, like a storm of mighty overflowing waters. He cast down to the earth with his name. Now in that time, it was Assyria. It was going to be Assyria, the, the, the nation that was just to their north, that was going to come and wipe this people out. But we know that throughout, God uses different ways and different methods to bring about this judgment, this storm. It's interesting that he has speaks of this judgment, which is uh, in the sense of a storm. We had a big storm yesterday, didn't we? Watch the radar, and this red line just comes in, mighty and downpouring. We know that that isn't even a really strong storm. We know that sometimes storms come in, and and they, they come in with strong winds. They come in with hail. They come in with all sorts of power and might, and they can really do some damage. And this is what the Bible speaks of as God's kind of judgment on that which is not of Him. That which is not trusting in Him. It's going to be like a storm. And like a storm in our world can knock branches down, can destroy things. Here this judgment for those people in the world who are trusting in the world's ways, what ultimately this is going to lead to is their destruction. So this is a warning of the pride, the the, the trusting in worldly things, and that being our anchor, our center point. Because it says in verse 5 and 6, that in that day, this glory that Ephraim, the, the northern tribe, is wearing on their head and celebrating this, on that day, God's glory will truly be shown, verse 5 and 6. In that day, the Lord of hosts will be a crown of glory, a diadem, a beauty to the remnant of his people. It says that the glory that looks that the world has on it, the, the attractiveness of the world as it fades, that glory is going to be exchanged, and then God is going to be the one that's glorified. Now, at this point, again, he's talking to the southern tribe. And he's speaking of the north, he's speaking of them. And at this time, it's a healthy reminder for us that we can look at those around us, and it's easy for us to point out and say, look at that person, they're depending on things that aren't of God. Look at that person, they're putting their hope in the world. Look at that person, they're putting their trust in X, Y, and Z. But in verse 7 and 8, and the 
whole point of this warning isn't just to point out where other people are putting trust. Ultimately, Isaiah looks at them out there and he turns the finger and he points it at his people and he sits there in verse 7 and says, These also reel with wine and stagger with strong drink. The priest and the prophet reel with strong drink. He's pointing at this people and say, It's so easy for you to look out there and point out where they are trusting the Lord. Remember, you also need to take a look at yourself. Take a look in the mirror and see where you are clinging to and holding to things in the world. That's what Isaiah wants us to do this morning. Sounds an awful lot like when Jesus says in Matthew 7, Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but you do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, Let him, let me take the speck out of your own eye, out of your eye, when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. The encouragement here that I want us to hear in this in this warning uh, of pride in the ways of the world is to take a look, take stock of our ways. What is it that we are holding to in the world? Ask God this morning even, what is it that I am trusting in the world that I put confidence in? That this whatever fill in the blank, if I have this, I'm okay. But if it was taken away from me, I would be ruined. What are the things in our life that we look to, that we put our hope in, that we trust in, that that gets our confidence? When we put our hope in those things, it's prideful because we're ignoring God and ignoring Him as being the true one that we should hold to and have confidence in. So this morning, we want to hear that warning and take it seriously for each of us. In our careers, in our families, stuff, what is it that if God was to be taken away, we'd have a hard time with? What is it that we see beautiful, but that beauty is fading because God's glory is not coming out in the storm of life? That moves us to the next point, which is ultimately that these people, as they are clinging to, because these leaders, they're grasping the world's things, they're grasping and trusting in the world, that this pride is something that has caused ignorance to the word of the Lord. Now, we, we need to remind ourselves of the story of Israel. Again, I say, these were people who God guided them long ago. God brought them out of bondage. He brought them through their, through their, their time of need. He helped them settle in the land. He, he put, said, trust me and I will be your God and you will be my people. He's walked with them. He's helped them settle. But right now at this point, he's become something of their past. He's become something of, uh, of days gone by. That the good news of God was something for them when they were just a youthful nation. But now in their life, they're walking and they're trusting in themselves in their own ways. For us, I think sometimes we can get to that place where God was good for when I was a kid, when I was in Iwana, and I said yes to Him, but now I kind of got to do it on my own. I got to pull myself up by my bootstraps. And in this, this pride, it, it causes an ignorance. It causes uh, us to be hardened to the Word of God. And here in Isaiah, that happens with these 
leaders. Look at Isaiah 9 through 13. 9 through 13 it says, To whom will he teach knowledge? And to whom will he explain the message? These who are weaned from the mill who take them to rest from precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little. And if you're looking in your Bibles, you'll see quotes around what I just read. Isaiah is speaking this line. He's speaking this, but he's quoting someone. And the question is, who is he quoting? Who he's actually quoting there is the leaders that have become so confident in themselves that they are listening to Isaiah speak. They're listening to the word of God because they hear him saying, but in, in essence, he's quoting them and how they've been mocking Isaiah. This quote, verses 9 and 10, is a mockery of the leaders looking at Isaiah and saying, Isaiah, for real, we're the priests, we're the leaders of these people, we should know God's law. Uh, Isaiah, uh, are you really trying to teach us God's word? Are you really trying to instruct us? They put themselves on this pedestal saying, we know God's word. And here, when God's word is in front of them, they're mocking Isaiah and they're saying, Isaiah, you're treating us like children. What we hear from you, Isaiah, while we, we know as readers of this that it's God's word, I, Isaiah is, is saying that these leaders are saying this word of God is really just blah, 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 blah. They don't want to hear it. As we cling to things of the world like these leaders did, that, that those things harden our hearts to listening to God. It hardens our hearts to listening to what God would have and how God wants to work in our lives in and through us. This pride that, that has overwhelmed and intoxicated the people, it's made them so drunk in their self-sufficient pride that they can't even hear what God wants of them. And as he, Isaiah is speaking these mocking words that the leaders have, that they're, they're laughing at Isaiah as they're saying these things to him. Uh, Isaiah, in verses 11 through 13, he turns around and he charges them and says, you guys are a rebellious people. You've forgotten who your God is. You've forgotten how to lead the people. You've forgotten how to walk with your God. Again, in, Isaiah, in Exodus, you go back all the way to the beginning. God said, I am the Lord. I will bring you out of your burdens of Egypt. I will deliver you. I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God. He goes on to say, I will give you this land, the land that was promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But he also moves towards from saying, hey, I will, I will, you are, have ignored this. You know the plans or the words in the past, but now at this point in time, you're not walking with me. And he said, it's going to bring to destruction yourself. He says in verse 12, he, God has said that this is rest that I will give you rest, I will give you repose. But then he goes on uh, that the word of the Lord will now become hard, will harden your heart. And it will lead to your destruction. For them, the story for the southern nation is that they're going to be taken away from this land by Babylon. As they're not listening to the word of the Lord, it's going to lead to their destruction. It's going to lead towards their ruin. For us, again, it's as we trust 
in the things of the world, we need to see, as Israel saw, that these things lead to ruin. They lead to us being shipwrecked in the storm of life. Fourteen speaks of God's promise, God's goodness, His grace. Fourteen through twenty, I want to read. It says, therefore, hear the word of the Lord. He's exhausted. So as they're mocking him, as they're mocking Isaiah, he says, "Hear the word of the Lord, you scoffers, you rulers of this people of Jerusalem, because you have said we have made a covenant with death and with Sheol. We have made." We have an agreement. When the overwhelming whip passes through, it will not come on us. For we have made lies a refuge. In our falsehood, we have taken shelter. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am the one who has laid a foundation in Zion, a stone, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone, and a sure foundation. Whoever believes will not be in haste. Will make, I will make justice the line and righteousness the plumb line. The hail will sweep away the, re- the refuge of the line, the refuge of lies, and the water will overwhelm the shelter. Then your covenant with death will be annulled, and your agreement with Sheol will not stand. When the overwhelming scourge passes through, you will be beaten down. As often as it passes through, it will take you. For morning by morning, pass through by day and by night, and yet for sheer terror, he understands the message. For the bed is too short to stretch out oneself, and the covering too narrow to wrap oneself in. Now this passage, again, sounds rather dark, rather grim. It sounds as if, uh, similar to what we read over the past couple weeks, these dark judgment clouds that are coming in, storms that are going to wash away and destroy says, therefore, verse 14, because you have said, verse 15, he says that because you have said these things, because you have commented to God and say, I'm making a covenant with death, I'm putting my trust in the grave, I'm living in a refuge of lies, and I'm sheltering myself around falsehood. Therefore, God says this, and God will do this. And what we would expect, or at least if I were God, I'd say, if you're being rebellious, if you're not following me, if, you're, if you don't care, if you are, are, are turning aside from me, if I were God, I'd say, forgive you. I, I'd, I'd send them away. I, I'd say, no grace for you. But thankfully, I'm not God, am I? Instead, we hear this in verse 16 and 17. It says, the Lord God says this, speaks not of destruction, he speaks of a second chance, of grace. He speaks of giving a foundation that they can have confidence in. While they, this people is trusting in the world, he's saying, I'm going to give you something that is strong, that you can cling to, that you can hold to. He says, whoever believes will not be in haste. That idea of in haste, there's other 
have other translations of the Bible that speak maybe a little bit, give us a little bit more understanding. It speaks of this cornerstone that will come, this foundation that will come, and it says, whoever believes will not panic. Whoever believes in this will not be disturbed, or in the positive, whoever believes in this stone and puts their trust in that, their confidence in that, will not be shaken. They will be unshakable. Now, in verse 17, he still speaks that the storm's going to come. Judgment's going to come. Judgment is going to determine what will last and what won't. It's going to wipe out that which is not glorious and that which is self-seeking, that which is worldly. It's going to wipe away that. The hail will sweep away the refugee's lives. The water will overwhelm the shelter. So again, that center point. Those who believe in the stone will not be erased. They will be unshakable. Now Isaiah is speaking to Israel uh, hundreds of years before Jesus, and they don't know who this cornerstone is. We hear the word cornerstone, and our mind already goes towards Jesus the Messiah. It goes towards the one who is to come. And, and we're going to sing a song about that in the moment, that Jesus is the one we put our hope in, he's the one we look to. Again, in the context of this, he's challenging trust in worldly things. He's challenging them to look for the cornerstone, look for that, and trust only in that. They didn't know who the cornerstone was, but throughout the Old Testament, and then into the New, we see these promises fulfilled where Jesus is spoken of as this cornerstone. Peter speaks of it uh, from the end of the Old Testament. Paul speaks of it in Romans for this week. The idea is that, that the, this covenant that was of old, that God had made when they came out of Egypt, as Jeremiah says, I'm going to bring a new covenant. I'm going to bring a new way. I'm going to bring in a new something for you to trust in me, to come to me. Because the old covenant of following God and following rituals and practice and trusting in those old systems, that was being replaced by a new system cornerstone, Jesus, who would end up being the one who would come and live a life that we could never live, who would die for us, and who would rise again, and now if we believe in him, as these verses in Isaiah are saying, as we trust in him and him alone, we are seen with him, and God, Jesus looks and says, I know that they might be tempted to trust the world, but I know them, they believe in me. Shelter them in the storm. This gives a lot of context to the cornerstone in the places that we see in the New Testament. Yes, we see the cornerstone often as being the temple and that that's something that we're built as a brick into. But I also think that in Matthew 7, uh, Jesus speaks of himself that gives us a little context for what Isaiah says. In Matthew 7, Jesus says this. Everyone who hears does them will be like the wise men who built their house on the rock. And the rains fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on their house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like the foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rains fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell. 
great part of all of it. We know the song that goes with this. The wise man built his house upon the rock. The foolish man built his house upon the sand. Then Jesus brings us, and he's actually pointing back to Isaiah. The storms in that, song, in that parable aren't just some bad things in life that come our way. It's actually God's judgment that's going to wipe away anything that's not of him. Those are the storms that are going to come in. That which is built on the rock is going to stand. That which is not is going to be done away with. Jesus is that rock in life as we go through that we say, do I build on him? Is he the one I trust? Is he the one I put my foundation in? Is he the grace confidence that I have, even when I know that the, what the world trusts in looks attractive. I put my trust in Him. And that's where Isaiah goes in verses 22 through 29. To these leaders back in his day, he asks them and he says, give ear, 23, and hear my voice, give attention and hear my speech. Does he who plows the sowing plow plow for sowing so plow continuously? Does he continually open and harrow the ground when he has leveled the surface? Does he not scatter dill, soak cumin, and put in wheat when it grows, and barley in its proper place, and emmer at the border? For he is rightly instructed. His God teaches him. The dill is not threshed with the threshing sledge, nor the cart wheel rolled over cumin, but dill is beaten with a stick and cumin with a rod. Does not thr- does one crush grain and flour bread? No, he does not thresh it forever. When he drives the cart wheel over it with the horses, he does not crush it. This also comes from the Lord of hosts. He is, wonder- he is wonderful in counsel and excellent in wisdom. Isaiah brings out this illustration, this farming illustration that says, the farmer understands how to farm. He understands what is wise, and he gets it from the Lord. He turns to the Lord and gets his instruction from him. And in the same way, he's saying, when it comes to what we put our trust in in life, we need to turn and believe that God's plan, this cornerstone that's going to come, this thing that we need to hold to, that that is a wise plan, that that is what we want and desire. And we should ask God, Lord, teach me how to trust you. Show me what it is that is tempting me to build my trust in, in the world, and trust help, help me to wipe that away. Help me to trust in you, my counselor, my wise God. Let me build this life of mine, Isaiah asks of these leaders. Let me build this life up on you, the firm foundation. So this morning, as we look to God, as we think about this passage, as we, we ask ourselves, what does this have to do with us? What is the call for us this morning? For us this morning, I, I want us to ask ourselves, what might it be that I'm putting my trust in apart from God? What is it that I need to be reminded of and, and turn the mirror and look at myself and, and say, you know, God wasn't just good for uh, the hard days. He, he's not just good for a later point in my life, but he's good for me to trust in with what I'm going through today. He's good for what I'm going through in this life. He's good in the fact that he's going to 
judge and make things clearly, His glory clearly shown. In that day, on that day, the day, day that Isaiah pointed to, am I going to be crowned because of my trust in these cornerstones on my Monday and my Tuesday? Or am I going to trust in the things of the Lord? Am I going to make the exchange? Again, that title of this message. This foolish pride. Am I going to trust in my own ways or am I going to exchange it for wise foundation founded on God? Whether you're old or young, whether you've grown up in the church or you haven't, that we need to be reminded to trust again and again in that foundation. Is it the wisdom of the Lord? Is it the kingdom of the Lord? And for what is it that I can not trust in? With that, we turn to the living prayer of God. Father God, we thank you this morning that in this passage, this passage where we start off with a warning to the world, to others, this passage ultimately turns and makes us assess what we're putting our trust in. Knowing that you are going to judge and wipe away that which is not of you, and that which is remains is going to be of you and glorious. We, Lord, ask that we cannot just be like the leaders who saw you good in a time before and have now hardened your word, but, Lord, daily that we can look. stone which we cling to in life to say everything that doesn't will be wiped away we are foolish Lord may we trust in you and say in your Lord it's in you that I find my shelter 